Morning, everyone. Morning. Thank you. Cool. So um, this morning, <laughs> that, that's the graphic to my talk this morning. Now, um, this morning, for those of you, if you're writing notes, um, my, my title, um, well, the phrase initially was, search me, O God, and know my heart. Um, so I'm going to, for those of you that know where that's from, I'm going to try and skim over Psalm 139 as quickly as possible. Um, so those of you that have got your Bible, have a look at Psalm 139. And it says this, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in shoal, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me by night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them, some of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name to vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Isn't it good to hear scripture spoken publicly? You know, we're not in a kind of church building on the Euralink. You know, we're in public. And it's so good to kind of speak scripture um, in public. So this psalm was written by David, who's often renowned as a man after God's own heart. And when reading up on the background, context and so on of this chapter, I came across the heading, which I'll use more, more so than um, the one I mentioned earlier. It says, God's pervasive presence, intimate knowledge and faithful comfort for those of you writing notes. So before I start going through my points, I want to say this to begin with. It feels very quiet in here today. It's kind of quite striking. Your only hope is Christ, is in Christ. My only hope is in Christ. He knows you and I fully. He knows everything about you and I. And we'll come back to that in my three points. Good old three points. So, firstly, pervasive presence. So, A.W. Tozer. Anyone heard of A.W. Tozer in the room? Yeah? 
If you haven't, I fully recommend this book, The Pursuit of God. Um, it's so, so, oh, stirring. Stirring is the word. Uh, so he writes, hold on, getting this through the microphone. He is transcendent above all his works, even while he is imminent within them. What does the divine imminence mean in direct Christian experience? It means simply that God is here. So Gordon basically nicked quite a lot of my <laughs> preach earlier on in what he was sharing. Wherever we are, God is here. There is no place, there can be no place where he is not. It goes on, but do you believe that this morning? Yeah, that God is here. David recognises that widespread, imminent presence through the first six verses, using the word you. You're so present. You know everything, before, during and after. God is, as it mentions in the scripture, acquainted with all of David's ways. And then it seems in the following verses, namely 7 to 12, um, it goes into the phrase of I, if I, and so on. So Matthew Henry, the well-known Bible commentator, writes this about that section. David is sure that God perfectly, perfectly knows him and all his ways, because he is always under his eye. If God is omnipresent, who knows what omnipresent means? Beep. Pass this finger from Ian. Everywhere. Uh, lost my lost my place now. Um, if God is omnipresent, yet present in all places at all times, he must he must needs be, as the old English saying goes, he must needs be omniscient. Who knows what omniscient means? Thank you, Chris. All knowing. Yes, you can tell she does a pub quiz every now and then. Um, <laughs> Um, But he is omnipresent. This supposes the infinite and immensity of his being, from which follows the ubiquity, big word, of his presence. Heaven and earth include the whole creation, and the creator fills both. He not only knows both and governs both, but he fills both. Every part of the creation is under God's intuition and influence. If I was to get an emoji up on the screen at this point, it would be that one where, you know, the explosion comes out of the head. Mind-blowing. So, I'll put it in bold. He knows you and he is here. Some of you may be sitting here in complete relief, reverence and awe. And some of you may be here feeling a great sense of unsettled dot, 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 ness, as I've got in my notes. Regret even. What he, what? He knows that I did that, watched that, thought that, treated the person that way. But here lies the gracious reassurance. Moving on to my second point. Breathe in. He knows us. Yes, the second point, intimate knowledge. He knows us. He knows us so well, so much more as we do ourselves. You can't shake it. You can't try to hide it. You may notice that comparatively speaking, in a lot of these verses, the comparisons are extreme. And that is purposefully. Purposeful, sorry. He is omnipresent. Not in an airy-fairy kind of way. No, he is here and he knows you intimately. 
I remember in my younger days as a Christian, and there was an author who built their kind of literary career from writing books around dating, relationships, and stuff like that. And they once released a short video about thoughts, if my memory serves me correct. Um, Imagining that if every thought and deed that we'd ever thought and done were accessible in a filing cabinet. So those of you that have seen Bruce Almighty, anyone seen Bruce Almighty in the room? Um, You know when he's in the room and he kind of pulls out that filing cabinet and it just goes on and on and on and on. Now think about that for a moment. Now this psalm isn't meant to be a condemning piece of scripture. You know, there's no condemnation in this salvation I'm free, as Simon Braiding once sung. No, this is a psalm written by David who's reflecting on how much God knows him and is with him even through the darkness, even through the many, many filing, what they called, dividers <laughs> and thoughts. But we take faithful comfort in the next bit, that the darkness is not dark to him. Whatever we think of in terms of our filing cabinets and the contents thereof, he is intimately knowledgeable about us, your very being. David sees that alongside all the comparisons, you know, where can I go, where shall I flee? God's grace is still revealed to him, for he cries out, I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well, despite the filing cabinet. And lastly, take faithful comfort. So faithful comfort, point number three. It states in my study Bible, actually addressing the first six verses, but I'm going to use it for my last point as a subheading. The the Nord, no, not the keyboard, the Lord knows all there is to know about me, about you. The Lord knows it all. Do you believe that this morning? It's incredibly good news, both for you that you're here this morning, for those that are downstairs having their coffee, for those out and about in Sittingbourne and wider community. Incredibly good news. Now I know there's more that I could kind of rinse out of this passage, but as I was kind of finishing up, um, I wanted to stay true to myself and not try to be, you know, someone that I'm perhaps not. And um, I guess the heart of of where this morning's message came from uh, was a song. As many of you know, myself and Emmanuel are kind of lead worship, and Lizzie's now back on, on team. But woohoo! Um, there's a song, really, really golden oldie, um, and this was the kind of you know the very kind of thing that stoked uh, the flame, as it were, in terms of bringing this message this morning. And I'm just gonna—I'm not gonna sing it because that would be weird for the recording. <laughs> but I'm just gonna talk it through. And perhaps I should have told Gordon what it was, but I apologise. So search me, O God, and know my heart. Know all my thoughts and my ways. Cleanse me, O God. Give me a pure heart that I may see your face. And then the chorus is, for you are an all-consuming fire. For you are an all-consuming fire. 
Teach me, O God, show me your ways, and I will walk in your truth. Keep me, O God, keep me from falling, that I may stand before you. And then the chorus once more. In the last verse, it says, Fill me, O God, and send me out, and I will make you known. Give me your heart and your compassion, and let your mercy flow. It's quite interesting that Gordon kind of brought up what he did earlier. Um, because I, I really believe God wants to, I put, I want, I want, yeah. I believe God wants to do a work in a number of people this morning, not in a condemnatory way or anything like that. But we sung earlier, you know, Emmanuel led us. You know, we sung earlier that we want more of you, as in God, in in my life. You know, we've been called to go. It's an ongoing and ever-changing mission. Hope Church, Sittingbourne. Hopefully we'll not just stay this size and perhaps just in this kind of place. We haven't made it yet. There's still lots to do, to praise, to confess, to give God. What are the three T's that Gordon quite often says? Can anyone remember? Pardon? Not Mr. T. I won't say what he says. But no, things to give God, talent, time, treasure. Yeah, we've been called to go. But I think, you know, sometimes as Christians, we've got to believe the fact that he is with us. Yeah, and our hearts. I've really felt this week, you know, just kind of preparing this ironically, that it's just like a daily thing, isn't it? It's a daily thing. And see if there, if, see if there be any grievous way in me. And, you know, you might kind of think, man, Adam's coming down to land in this preach like, with a real kind of like heavy weight of condemnation. But actually, the glory, you know, looking, looking back at that psalm, David knows it. But what does he do? He turns it into praise. He turns it into the fact that he knows God is with him. That he's all-knowing. So I pray that you would leave this place with a greater understanding and encouragement of God's pervasive presence, intimate knowledge and faithful comfort. So I'd just like us to stand, if that's all right, Gordon. We've got kind of 10 minutes. So I'd like you to stand, if you can. And I guess in, in an attitude, you know, as we come to God, we kind of look to, look to him. You know, those are kind of those golden nuggets that I could have dotted round in the talk. Every good and perfect thing, you know, comes from God and all that kind of thing. And I, I just think, just come into a place as we, we reflect on who God is. That we just give to God, you know, the things we do well, the things we fall flat on our face with. <laughs> The things we cherish, the things we hide, the things that you used to do and love doing but perhaps don't do anymore for whatever reason, the things that you've thought about doing but just discount yourself about even starting and so on and so on and so on. Just coming to a place this morning where we're just coming to a place where, you know what, we know that God is with us, that he is for us, but at the same time that we would come and give our hearts to him. And you know what, I think the, the result of that is only going to be positive. For you as an individual, for us as a church family, 
and so on. So let's just kind of spend a moment. Um, I'm just going to start off with prayer. And then I'll hand over to Gordon. Yeah, Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you're doing in our hearts this morning. Lord, I want to thank you that you're an all-consuming fire. And that there is great joy in coming to you and giving our hearts both the good things and the things that hold us back. Lord, and I just pray this morning that we would be a people that go down those steps at the end of this meeting far, far lighter (laughs) than when we came in. You know, the things of the week, the the sin that so easily entangles, that we would just come to a place now just for a few moments of just peace and quiet from the week, from the day, from the morning. That we would just come to you and say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Cleanse me, O God, give me a pure heart that I may see your face. Fill me, O God, and send me out that I will make you known. Give me your heart and your compassion and let your mercy flow. So let's just spend a moment just in quiet. Just come in before God. Pray for breakthrough. Pray for restoration. Pray for a sense of newness.